0: Hello and welcome to Is This Room Free? My name is Martin Drake and I'm an ex HR professional who is now the founder and managing director of Higher People, a recruitment business that is raising the standards in the way recruitment agencies operate. In this podcast, I will be talking to HR professionals and listening to the stories of their careers. I will be finding out about the journeys they have taken and what they have learned along the way. The purpose is to help others in the profession identify and understand the various paths available and take inspiration from my guest speakers. Whether you are someone who is looking to get that first step on the HR career ladder or an aspiring HR director, I hope you get value from my conversations. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show. Welcome to another episode, everyone. Today's guest is Adela Butt, who currently works as a senior HR business partner. Adela is probably the profile you'll be looking for if you were looking for the most orthodox HR CV. She's unique in that she's somebody who didn't stumble her way into HR like most, but actually found her interest while she was at sixth form. She went on to study human resource management at uni and then also did a placement, which she said was extremely beneficial to her progress after graduating. Adela has worked across different sectors and industries, she's worked for small organisations and big corporates along the way, and it was really fascinating to hear how she's benefited from having really good mentors all through her career, but how she's also stretched herself out of her comfort zone in order to develop. There's tons of valuable insights from this chat, so I hope you enjoy listening. Welcome everybody to the show once again. Um, Adela. hi, how are you?
1: I'm super. Thank you, Martin.
0: How are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for for coming onto the podcast. Um, for obviously, I mean, we've known each other um, for a, a couple of years now, not in any kind of great context, but we've kind of um, kept in touch with each other. And really keen to get you on because you are probably. I mean, we just said this before. You're the kind of missing piece in the jigsaw of kind of where I've got to so far of covering off um kind of the hierarchy of roles but um you're you're the one who's actually got the hr degree um so good to get you on because you're somebody who went into hr with an actual plan of wanting to get into hr which most people don't um but do you you want to give everyone a quick kind of um insight to who a dealer is and and what your role is
1: yeah okay um so I currently work for a company called Inenco Group and um, Inenco is an energy consultancy and we employ approximately around about 350 employees. It's a very diverse organisation so we have two strands to the business. So we have the corporate sphere and we also have the um, small to medium enterprise as well. So a lot of variety of works, a variety of demographics of individuals. Um, so my role is of a senior HR business partner for Inenco and I manage the HR business partner team. So I manage two HRBPs um, and also a HR advisor.
0: Okay, fantastic.
1: So, fantastic. fantastic.
0: Yeah. Cool. So let's go back to the beginning then. So how did a dealer... Being a teenager, decide, right, I'm going to do HR at, at university. So where, you know, it's not, a, it's not a profession that comes onto a lot of people or a lot of kids' radars, I suppose. So how did you decide that it was what you wanted to do?
1: Okay, so just touching on the point the that you just made. story here, I can tell. <laughs> just touching on the point you've just made, I have never, ever heard any child say that they want to work in HR. It's never happened. Um. If someone has heard that, then please do share that news with me. Um, But my first exposure to HR was at Sixth Form. So one of my strongest subjects was business studies. Um, So did well in the accountancy modules, did well in the marketing. But HR, there was something that definitely interested me in that specific um, business field. Yeah. And the fact that it was more people orientated, more about the employment life cycle and the fact that you—it's there's so much variety as well in HR. It's, um, and listen to some of your previous podcasts. I did hear um, an individual saying that when you um, speak to anybody about HR, they have that uh, you know typical mentality that HR is all about hiring and firing. And that's yeah. not true. Uh, but that's what is... Um, the norm the perception out there but it was really interesting because we sort of touched on organizational design engagement methods paying reward and um, all those kind of good stuff and I thought okay this is quite interesting and um, and I think that's how my initial okay. interest sort of began
0: yeah
1: okay and then, then I saw the degree that I wanted to do which was accredited by the CIPD so Um, I spoke to one of my uh, family members and they were saying, okay, HR seems to be, um, HR and technology are the two areas which are quite booming um, and businesses are going to have more and more of an increasing need for these two areas. So I think that definitely sort of put an idea in my head.
0: Okay, fantastic. And you did something during your degree, I think, is crucial. So, for me, whenever I talk to people who are university leavers and wanting to get that first job in HR, maybe as a, a typical graduate and want to get a HR admin role, um, I, I even see it on LinkedIn now. I, I, there was a post on um, recently about someone saying about adverts and asking for two years' experience. And how do you get that role if you don't have the experience? Um, and I, for, for me, I think where you can do a gap year and go into a HR role, you're then coming into the job market once you've graduated with a year's experience under your belt already, which is part of your essentially degree course. And that is it's crucial in just setting you apart from the, from the crowd, really, because um, it just gives you an edge over all of the other graduates entering the marketplace. Was that something that you consciously did, or was it a, a, um, something of, as part of that degree course that you, you had to go and do a gap year? Because some some courses make you do a sandwich,es some it's optional.
1: So to get the Chartered Institute um, sort of contribution, I had to do a placement, and honestly, it was the best thing I could have done. Yeah, um, I would definitely, definitely recommend. Any business um, student, a HR student, if they have an opportunity to do a gap year and get that placement year under their belt, definitely, definitely do it. Um, and it was really interesting because um, a lot of my uh, sort of friends who were on the, on the same course, they went to all these multinational businesses, so BMW and Microsoft and And I was so desperate to stay at home. So (laughs) I had to find my own placements. I did actually go through um, the placement office. Okay. Um, So we had like a dedicated resource who would actually find you a placement. So I was there desperate contacting every business in Flatpool with a cover letter, uh, you know, my CV, contacting, you know, um, many businesses. And I was very, very lucky to secure um, my placement with Blackpool the File College and Blackpool Coastal Housing. And luckily, um, Tanya Blench and Simon O'Rourke of Blackpool on the File knew each other, so they had agreed amongst themselves that um, Blackpool and File would have me um, at the beginning of the week and then Blackpool Coastal Housing would have me at the end of the week. So it worked perfectly. It was
0: well, really kind of like getting double to, exposure. Honestly,
1: well. it was so different. So it gave me an in- a, It gave me an insight to HR, but also gave me an insight that HR in different industries is very different. So one was a housing association, um, an ALMO, so very close linked to the council, and one was um, a college and had a very big HR team. So it was just the best of both worlds. But the only downside was I had no lunch on a Wednesday for a year because I used to drive uh-huh. from. Progress House in Blackpool, all the way to Biston, but I think it definitely paid off.
0: Cool. Okay. One thing to, uh, I'm I'm interested about this now. Your um, your you peer group on the course who so you said went to you know the big global corporates. Um, I tend to find when I've um, when I have a chat with a graduate who maybe went on a gap year and, and went to a big organisation like that. I often find that they ended up in quite kind of specialist or project-based roles, rather than kind of doing the do, yeah, rather than kind of being um, a, a generalist HR person who's just learning the ropes over the course of a year. Um, would would you agree with that? That what, I mean, did the experience that you got was it a little bit more, I guess, just practical everyday HR experience? Yeah. And then when you came back and kind of met up with your, um, you kind of course colleagues again a year later, did you find that your experience was vastly different then, or am I way off the no, mark?
1: You are right. Um, it definitely because um, what I found was when they went to these multinational businesses um, and these really large corporate businesses, mostly down south, um, they are very specialist roles. Like they have obviously you, you've got your L and D team, you've got your um you know your recruitment team so a lot of them were so sort of um sort of pigeonholed I would I would say like into a specific remit where I yeah. got a bit of a taster of everything and it was more of a generalist support that they would use me for which so I,
0: would, I would argue then as you're a graduate coming into the market um is more advantageous because you've got some more practical skills that you're able to offer rather than You know, imagine you're, I don't know, imagine you live in Doncaster and as part of your gap year, you've been down to London and you've worked for EE as part of a really niche, um, I don't know, early years talent development role. And then you come back to Doncaster where there aren't really many multinationals based in Doncaster. Your typical profile of businesses are SMEs and you're coming in with this very, very niche level of experience, which is not going to be on the local manufacturing company's radar whatsoever. What they want is just someone to do low level, you know, HR admin as that that kind of first role. So your experience that you've gained, although it's great that you've got it, is disproportionate to, or not disproportionate, wrong, you know what I mean, it's it's non-specific to actually the, the needs of your local market once you're actually trying to enter the job market as well.
1: Definitely, um, I, and also it does remind me of um, one of the uh, case studies we did at, in our final year, and it was called the Graduate Diva, um, and it was all about just because you you've done your degree, do not expect to get a straight away like HR manager role and an HR business partner role, or you know. And I and I do think that experience that I had, I knew I needed to start from the bottom, work my way. Up and pace myself as well but that generalist role um at both that black coastal and black File really did open the doors for me um, and it also gives you a bit of a flavor in terms of what you like and is there a specialism that you want to get into or do you want to continue in a more of a generalist yeah. role
0: i'm definitely definitely going to pinch graduate diva i love that <laughs> <laughs>
1: honestly and i do see them quite often yeah. like Okay, you may want to pace yourself, you know, just get a few years of experience.
0: Yeah, luckily, I'd like to say, uh, out of most of the HR graduates I meet, most of them uh, do have their feet firmly on the ground, but you do get the odd one that I definitely would give them a badge of graduate diva to wear with pride. Um, Okay, so you you graduated um, 2010 for you when you graduated? Mm -hmm. And then, um, so what happened next? So you're, you're a graduate with a HR management degree, um you're going into the job market how did you find it we were, were you able to secure something pretty quickly was it tough
1: yeah, so i've been very fortunate um and i've always managed to find role after role you know whatever i'm interested in i've been very very lucky so straight away when i was um, when i graduated i did an internship with uclan so with their hr team so worked there for a about three months, within that period, I got a fixed-term position with AI Claim Solutions as a HR assistant. And then from there, it was just um, one role after another. Um, so I wasn't afraid to take a fixed-term position. So that really helped me. So HR assistant at AI Claim Solutions. Then there was a maternity cover at Warburton's. Okay. Um, so then I took that role, and that was a real really interesting role for me because um it was a standalone position Uh, my manager was based in Burnley, and i used to support um the bakery and the depot in warburton's and it was very the union was quite militant Um, so that was really different
0: so ai claims is kind of quite um i guess quite a small to medium-sized enterprise which most people would consider and then you've gone to warburton's which most people in the UK will definitely, well, should know if they eat bread. I'd um, be very
1: disappointed if they don't.
0: Yeah, very much so. Um, and you've gone into a, a heavily militant unionised environment, so a world away from anything you've ever experienced.
1: Before. Exactly. And, and um, if anyone and remembers. It's
0: standalone, you poor thing.
1: Stand-alone, exactly. And you've also got to remember that the bakery and depot, I would say 98% would be male. Yeah, the, That was the demographic. The only females that I had any interaction with was one of the bakery managers, the PA to um, the general manager, and there was another few female staff. So you can imagine it was quite a tough
0: And how old were you at this time? 24, 25? <laughs>
1: No, I think a
0: bit younger. Yeah, about 23, around about that age. Which is pretty intimidating, isn't it? Because, you know, I think back to when I was 23, I was rubbish at everything, I think, and thought I knew everything, but probably, well, I know I didn't know anything. Um, Certainly didn't have oodles and oodles of confidence to go in and, um, yeah, go and run kind of HR practices. to much senior, older individuals as well. So really that must yeah. have been really, really tough environment.
1: It was a very tough environment, but I think it really helped me a lot um, and helped me grow as a person. So anyone who would remember me from college, sixth form, early years of my career, um, I wouldn't say I was, you know, very boisterous or Certainly. very confident assertive but with years it does come you know with experience and exposure to different circumstances different cases having confidence in your own ability with you with those years it's really really like i would say i know they do say that you can't change your personality so maybe the personality is exactly the same i'm just a bit more open and direct
0: you do i think you do change over the years i'm i'm in my core i'm the same person i've I've always been but i think there's elements of you that that, that change kind of over time
1: Um can I, I would say i'm definitely one of those individuals who has changed over the years yeah
0: you do don't usually you? You get older um mm-hmm. i'm really interested then so it's great that you you can learn and you can become more assertive and you develop over time but you're now operating in a hr officer role in a really really tough environment you haven't got time to, they haven't got time for you to wait around and learn and, and become somebody else. So how did you handle that situation that moment in time of going, right, okay, I need to stand on me on two feet now. I need to um, tell people in senior positions, actually, you do need to toe the line. And I'm here to um, uh, guide and instruct around the HR policy process um, and and be your support on this so how does a a, a kind of i'm not gonna say timmy but how's a kind of um 23 year old who's still finding their own feet and learning their own profession handle all that so what did you do to i guess what did you do to be successful is probably
1: okay so in that particular role I would always do my prep and my homework so before going into a disciplinary meeting or you know with a trade union who I know will try and derail this invest you know hearing or uh, if there's an investigation or if there's any training we know that we have many vocal individuals so for me it's very important that I knew my stuff so I could interject when I need to I could um, you know put my case forward as well, yeah. and support um, the managers who are holding these meetings. Did you feel intimidated?
0: So you, you're going into your first meeting with, you know, tough trade union. They're, they're thinking, ah, we'll wipe the floor with this little girl.
1: Yeah, um, and actually, what it, interestingly, you make that that comment. One of my other position after uh, Warburton's, someone actually made that comment to My line manager, who was a business partner, saying, Oh, I went into this meeting and I saw um, a young girl, and I thought, Oh, she wouldn't be able to handle the trade union. And then when she got started, she was really good. And I think that's really interesting that people have that perception, you know, that if you're younger, you might not be able to um, deal with different, you know, stakeholders. Maybe trade unions would be quite tough. But I, I don't think age is a factor at all. It's all about, you know, with time and experience
0: ah, but um, I think you've done the, exactly, the right thing it, you were prepared so you know if you go into something um ill prepared you know it's, it's it's what's the old saying um prepare to fail fail to prepare is that
1: right yeah. something like that no, yeah it's so something wrong yeah
0: anybody will know what I'm on about um but I think that that is it you you're gonna improve your own capability if you have done your own due diligence and got yourself all geared up so there's less um, chance of failure within that and if they can see that you're prepared and you've got all your facts and knowledge around you yes you may have never experienced that certain situation before but by having done your prep it helps you think on your feet a little bit better and handle a situation.
1: But also I have found throughout my career that you can't prepare for everything. you will be thrown on the deep, in the deep end and you've just got to go with the flow and you've just got to try and make the best of the situation and apply your knowledge. And sometimes it's just transferable knowledge. So it might be a specific case that you dealt with and it's the same principles that you might need to apply in a different situation. that um, in HR you're never going to prepare yourself or every single case or every single um situation so. i think
0: the best advice i was ever given around that when i first started in hr was if you are ch- asked something you don't know it's fine not to know and just say okay noted i'll uh, i'll find you know i want to get the actual correct answer for you so leave that with me and i'll, I'll come back to you yeah at x point
1: park the question
0: park it yeah good way of saying that cool okay okay so you were with um warpsons just over a year it sounds like that was a quite a probably a defining role for you something that you you grew up in that role
1: um yeah so i did but i would say my defining role if i had one that was one that really stands out to me would be the hr advisor role at places for people
0: okay is that in that's the next role that you went into
1: So my next role was a hr officer okay places for people yeah which i was in that role for six months and um predominantly in that role all i did was um cut employment contracts onboarding and um, employees um, and places for people if you are aware of the business it's a very diverse business so they have um, you know property maintenance they have leisure they have you know a bit of everything the strange yeah I
0: mean for people else, kind of elsewhere around the UK who aren't in Lancashire places people um, big employer in in oh, prison, sure. but I remember when I first learned about them they are so diverse they did they, yeah. they come from a housing association and then <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, originally a housing association. I think when I first started with them, I think they had like 3,000 employees. And by the time I left, it was like 8,000. It was something phenomenal, like, you know, in terms of the growth.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, But a very, very good organisation for me, especially in terms of my development. Um, But again, it was a lot of like change of terms that I would process. A lot of the, you know, basic... um, role that you would do as an officer yeah you know it was it was quite interesting
0: so i classed that as a hr assistant Uh, yeah
1: more of an assistant you did a bit of um, telephone advising uh, around policies to a manager but nothing face-to-face um then there was a role um that came available in the er team and it was a hr advisor role and they interviewed um Many external um, individuals as well, and I put my name, um, you know, in the hat too. And I was wondering why no one else was going for the role internally. I was like, okay, pretty much everyone in this team is doing their CIPD. And then I realised why they hadn't it because it was just such an intense role; it was constant.
0: So it's pure training. employee relations.
1: Pure, pure ER case.
0: Did you realise that when you applied or
1: not until- I did, but I didn't really understand what the fuss was about. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed this, so why is everyone, like, sort of avoiding that, you know, applying for the role? Um, but it is a very intense role. Um, you're constantly doing investigations, disciplinary grievances, um, absence management, GPs, restructures, um, you know it's just one thing after another and some of it was quite it, it would have um, an impact on you as well because you're dealing with people um, and their employment at the end of the day so it is quite quite difficult but I find the people
0: who've done a specialist AR role technically are usually very very strong and they they find it's a great springboard for them moving forward in their career because they've got that real robust knowledge um, and just dealing with not only volume but um, complex issues as well. So they're kind of really good grounding on that. But I do find most people don't do it for a long period. You get a few careerers who kind of become HR specialists as a career route, but most people... Um, it, it somehow have, have kind of come into that foray, a um, do it for a, a period but then want to get back into a generalist role because um, I do think it's just it's intense and it's
1: non it is intense, and you, isn't it you sort of uh, hit the nail on the head by the volume so it's the volume you've got to making one mistake could cost the business a lot of money you could end up in a tribunal um, the cases can be quite complicated so it's a lot it's like being a lawyer. It is, it is. But then you're right, it puts in or such... a paralegal
0: good, or something.
1: Yeah, it puts in very good stead though. So the, the confidence that you would get after doing that role is, well, personally speaking about my own experience, I would say definitely gave me lots of confidence in my own ability. And um, you, it's like, um, you know, when you're driving, you know, when you just like, you don't even think about it. So you get to a point with your er kit casework, where you're like okay i know exactly what i'm doing it's not it just becomes the norm and um,
0: a lot of it's just repetition of okay i've dealt with something very you know very very close to that before very close to that before and um, do that. something will come up that's probably a bit more um usually on a, of a complex nature that's got um a uniqueness to it but the, the churn of it will just be yeah i've done that before done that before done that before this is the Kind of standard advice that I would apply to that, and just kind of getting through that volume and churn.
1: And um, it, it, that's a, a very valid point. But also, recently, what I have seen on LinkedIn is um, a lot about HR individuals and how no one would ask a HR individual how they're feeling, and you know, if yeah. they're, you know, in because you're constantly dealing with such stressful things, you know dealing with a colleague who is suffering with cancer who will never be able to work again or um you know dealing with someone who has you know it's a gross misconduct case and you will have to discipline it may lead to a dismissal and they will lose their job they've got a family to feed as well so all these things they do have an impact a restructure that you know 30 people may lose their job it's it's that kind of relentless kind of um, sort of thing that you, you're dealing with, um, but I, I'm really, really glad to see that kind of movement at the moment where HR individuals are saying, "Hang on a minute, we're people too, and we have, you know, um, our well-being is important as well." So that's a very, very uh, a good thing that I've seen recently. Um, but also, I would say this was my first role where I really had a strong mentor, okay, the business partner that I reported to was very firm with me because it was like such a um responsible role but I learned so much um so it was Sue Chesney who was my manager at the time and I look back and I think what she taught me was so so handy um and one of the the key things that she did teach me was letter writing and it is an art and she well, always I mean, everyone's got their
0: own take on it I, I I've just found you
1: thing. might disagree with me Martin but I'm right
0: <laughs> no i just found that when people go to um work on different senior hr um leaders they all seem to have their own slight take on it um and the advisor has to kind of adapt a little bit to to that person's um yeah style of, of letter writing
1: yeah yeah i think Definitely, but I think if you just get your core principles of what you're trying to achieve, um, and even just the the head of HR at that time, a place for people as well, very inspirational. Um, And as a young HR um, professional who's trying to strive and, you know, sort of climb the ladder, if I could say that, um, very inspirational individuals in that team.
0: So, had you because we, we were just talking about this kind of before we started the podcast weren't we about um when you first start out the HR advisor is like that's the job where you think you've then made it and then when you become a HR advisor you then most well, a lot of people uh, then see the business partner role as the one where well when I get that then I'll have made it um yeah. at what point did you decide you wanted to become a business partner so you've 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 learned your trade up until now. You're in the HR advisor role, albeit quite a specialist role rather than a generalist role. Did you know at that point that you wanted to go off and be a business partner, or were you still kind of open to the HR manager route? And how did you decide when you were ready to take that next step?
1: So I honestly wasn't looking for a business partner role. I thought I had definitely a lot more to learn, and at Places for People, especially from HR advisor to a BP role, the jump was really, really big. And that's, you could say that by salary, also grade. Um, but also the JD, I would say it wasn't just a one jump or two step. I would say three to four step it was. That's that's the, the, the change. Um, so I knew in Places for People, there wouldn't be the next natural progression for me. I would have to go elsewhere. And I wasn't actually looking at this point. Um, And I was contacted by one of my um, contacts from AI, who was an external L&D consultant. Back at the
0: start of your career. Yeah, at the start of my
1: career, saying that... there was a HR director, Leslie Heatley, who had been in contact saying that she um, was wondering if I'd like to have a catch-up with her because it's a new opening at Inenco where she's working um, as HR director and um, is it thinks that you may be suitable for a HR business partner role in seeing um, your current experience. And I think that So they,
0: this person has remembered you from... When you first started out, they'd yes. out, you were only a HR assistant at that point. Yeah. They've obviously kept an eye on you from a distance and then approached yep. you about becoming a BP because, they, they, well, they must have seen something in you as a person way back then to have even, yeah. job title can mean anything. You've still got to have a belief in the individual. That's fantastic. That's brilliant.
1: I would put it down to um, my personality and charm, Martin.
0: <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs>
1: Um, but yeah so she definitely would have seen something and I'm very very grateful to to Leslie Healy for giving me that um, opportunity and uh, and believing in giving me because it was a jump and um, it wasn't a big team so I was going from a team of 40 odd to a team of five at Inenco Um, yeah it's
0: a massive team isn't it 40 oh
1: yeah but we had so many i appreciate that pfp is just you know a beast of an organization who have thousands of um, employees that they would manage and i think nenco used to have around about 500 employees at that time okay um and about five um hr
0: okay so you hadn't had any um preconceived ideas of of stepping up to a bp it was really circumstantial um Mm opportunity that that came up yeah and so you went down you had a chat with them um did you feel at that time listening to them thinking I could do this or was it more oh sod whether I can do it I'm just (laughs) if I get if I get this I'll be a business partner I'll I'll learn when I get there
1: yeah I think it was the second (laughs) Um, oh definitely I am one of those people I will just put myself in the position and sink or swim and I hopefully in most situations just swim um, but yeah, it was one of the circumstances where I thought, okay, I'm getting a good feeling. I like the, the organization and um, the people that I've interacted with are lovely. Um, I knew Leslie previously as well. So I thought, okay, this is, this is good. Um, and from what the JD, um, was for the BP, it wasn't like a million miles away from the HR advisor role at that point. Okay. Cause so was it big
0: one, big kind of more of a um transition to a it
1: was a transition so the hr business partner at places for people i would consider as a more senior bp role but that term wasn't really around at that time senior hr business partner and um the role at inenco was sort of you know sort of a bridge between yeah
0: because this is kind of again we were just talking about this just before we started about um you know the HR business for me, the HR manager on the HR business partner role are the two most broad and varied because in any organization, they can mean, yeah, like a HR manager can be for They're a really small company, 23 grand, or you yeah. can be a HR manager on 50 grand. Um, business partner for me can start around about 34 35k. Um, but really, I'd kind of class that more of as a junior BP role if. the thing you're starting to add more layers in and you can go in a business partner all the way to 110 thousand or even you know plus that more than that so it's it's so broad and diverse um so different people who are listening to this will maybe if we just i bet if i asked 100 people and i said business partner they'd all come up with a slightly different kind of connotation of what it what it was um but I, i guess just for clarity maybe so we'd You'd class this as a, as a kind of trainee BP role then, so not the Ulrich's true model of a business partner or a vision of a business partner, but
1: yeah.
0: it, well, it was a interestingly, stepping stone towards that.
1: It was a stepping stone, but also it gave me a lot more responsibility. So I was um, looking after one business area, so it was the SME world, Okay. So very different demographic to the corporate world. Um, so very like sales orientated, younger uh, kind of demographics. Um, like
0: contact centre type sales. Contact
1: centre. Sales floor. Uh, pardon?
0: Like a sales floor. So lots sales of.
1: floor, yeah, two of, areas. So right, we had yeah. Lidham. We had Lidham. And we also had um, an office in Liverpool as well, which we do still have an office in Liverpool. Okay. Uh, so it was two different sites that I'd be managing in terms of a HR um, perspective. Also, um, working very closely with the director for enterprise, and also be actually having a seat on their senior management group. So
0: all this—this this is, this is a massive step up.
1: So it is a massive step up but again I wouldn't it it, it was a, a massive step but didn't sort of phase me at that time. Yeah. And it's only when you sort of get into the role and think, actually, I can do this. This is all all I was doing was supporting that business area to really achieve their people strategy so we knew we were uh, you know we need to recruit and find the right kind of caliber of individuals sales is not an easy industry to be in we need to find like high
0: especially that level of sales, sales you know, different to a 50k salesperson who's a you know a bit more maybe longer sales cycle so in a higher value product this is a kind of i guess um Again, high volume, quick churn, get on the phone, do the deal, get off the mm-hmm. phone type of environment.
1: Yeah, but they could earn a lot of commission as well. Oh. So it was really interesting. So we could tap into. Sales divas. <laughs> you want, sorry?
0: Sales divas.
1: Yeah, sales divas. So we <laughs> had many of those divas. But I absolutely loved it. I absolutely loved um, seeing that competition, that fierce competition. Um, everyone, everyone wanting to be on top of that board. And um, even now, I just think it's a fantastic um, sort of business area to be in. And um, there was uh, some issues around attrition rates. There were some issues around sickness absence. So it's really just sort of taking a step back and bringing some of my key sort of expertise from my previous role. So but I was going to ask. So are
0: you are you leveraging on maybe some of the stuff that you've got from your er hr advisory are
1: 100 percent so um reviewing the policies that we had in place they weren't fit for purpose so um you know looking at how we could improve that and i think my my experience really helped with that so performance improvement plans we hardly had any of those so let's put that in place because we can't sustain poor performance in certain business areas so we, we need to work on that um Sickness absence rates were quite high, so A, we need to monitor them, but I would say it got to a point where Enterprise was setting um, an example for the rest of the business, because the absence rate had gone down massively. everyone would complete their return to work um, on time they would make sure that you know someone had triggered an absence meeting they would conduct those on time and you know it was just a nice process and smooth uh, how did you so
0: you 've got right i'm going to to degree hypothesize a little bit here so you 've got a, a sales floor who is focusing on sales you know that they are targeted on the deals that they win and the revenue they will bring into the business you've gone in i guess you've been tasked with um supporting them and to some degree you'll have been recruited to fix these issues you've gone in you've done a, a quick analysis you notice that there's um, high turnover high absenteeism um lack of policy lack of kind of best practice in there it's great to then say that you've achieved those things and you're now seen as kind of like the the flagship or the the kind of benchmark department um, or business unit to look at. But how have you achieved that? How have you gone and won over those sales managers? Because I imagine you will have gone in and they'll have gone, oh, just leave us alone. We've got a job to do. Let us get the sales done, stop bothering me with this paperwork but if you're saying you've now kind of got to a point where they're all doing the return to work they're you know they're they're, they're filling everything in how have you managed to convince them to do that because that's what I imagine a lot of the people are listening will be really intrigued with how have you gone in and turned it all around so well
1: so I'd like to share this one point first that when I first went into the liverpool office it was so boisterous so loud and there was about 150 sales agents on the phone and it was such a different environment so i knew it's not going to be an easy you know sort of um experience as well because these are people who really aim their um their rights and um you know not union, not not unionized but I would say every person is almost a union representative in their own right because they would know the policy inside out. They would really? have an answer for everything. Um, but I absolutely thrived off that, though. I was like, yes, I like the fact that you don't just take what what is said to you. You're actually challenging it. You're, you're using your mind, and that's really quite refreshing. Um, so I knew straight away that this is going to be a challenge, the real support that I had is that the head of sales um, in Lytham and Liverpool were really, really engaged and really had my back. And I think if oh, you see the management, team, it, honestly, that is, I think if I didn't have the support um, and even the director at the moment, so the head of sales and now the director for that business area, um, Lorraine Oldham, and she really gave me a good insight of what enterprise is so if you don't understand the business from a commercial perspective i don't really think you can add that much value so it's not just hr blanket approach we need to you need to understand the business what it's trying to achieve what are the key trends problems and then try and come up with something bespoke for that business area donna
0: Whitaker, um, who was um, the first guest she said exactly the same she said her approach is she goes in and rather than just going with a carte blanche HR prescriptive approach she goes in really kind of listens absorbs and then applies what she thinks it works for that organization or that department or whatever it is um and applies that approach so it's refreshing or interesting to hear you apply same sort of philosophy or methodology to, to how you go with HR.
1: and I think it's so important that you speak in the language of The manager that you are dealing with, because um, you know somebody in procurement, a manager in procurement wouldn't really um, probably relate to me if I was speaking to them the same way. Maybe if I was talking to um, someone in the SME world, it's just adapting your style slightly. um, But what you're trying to achieve is print the. Core principles are the same. Um, but I would definitely say the key thing for me, really driving those changes in behaviour um, is and also um, you know the HR policies being embedded and actually getting managers to do what they say is having the buy-in and also having the MI ready as well. So each business area, each team, I could see what the stats were, so how many people were off sick, how many return to work have you done, who's hit trigger, how many, you know, a lot of number crunching as well. And then when each, when we would have uh, the sales managers in with the directors, in with the head of sales, and they've got to justify why they haven't done something, the onus is back on them. So it's not going to work if I try and do this in isolation. I need everyone to be on board. And I was really, really fortunate that, most of the managers were they're very engaged, and some of them took them a bit more time, but that's fine, it's a work in pro- progress. So fantastic,
0: really interesting to hear because, like I say, it, for me, it's you know, what is it going to be? The, the If I was a listener to this, I, I'd be shouting at my headphones and saying, Ask the question, how? So it's interesting to hear you talk about kind of how you've turned it around there rather than just kind of leaping. Well, I, you know, I went in. It was rubbish. I came out. It was brilliant. Okay, um,
1: it, was, it was it was rubbish at all. It was just that some things just tough, needed refining. Tough. Yeah, it was tough. It, um, but honestly, I do feel that experience and working in that SME world as well in sales. It again, it was another turning point for me. So,
0: yeah, you very much get the feeling you thrive when you are in at the deep end.
1: I am yeah I do I do sort of like being thrown in the deep end and doing things I've not done before if it becomes a bit too samey samey it's not for me but fortunately in HR no day is the same you know we always have a new uh, case and something a bit different to deal with.
0: So then how have you because you you more recently gone from being a, a business partner so I guess you've You've got in there as a as a kind of let's let's call it a trainee business partner. Um, you've then cut your teeth. You've learned the ropes. You've then become a kind of more of a, a business partner, and more recently, you've then stepped up to a, a senior HR business partner. So, what's the what's the difference between you as a business partner to becoming a senior?
1: Okay, so firstly, I would say um, my current manager, um, Janet Benson, who is. A fantastic mentor and you know when I talk about my mentors and places for people I'm really really fortunate to have a mentor at Inenco as well because I think that's so important for your growth having that individual who has that knowledge and can really help you develop and um, what, does, what so, does
0: um Janet how does she mentor you then
1: so um really I would say she gives pushes back in terms of you come up with a solution and I've already I always do that always come up with a solution and um always ask her if but I am quite one of those individuals quite happy to make my uh, decisions and run with it so you know some people like to check everything I'm not one of those individuals because there's going to be a point where you just can't sustain that level of checking. Yeah. Um, you have to have that confidence in your own ability. But when there's something a bit more complex, um, it got to a point where, you know, Jen was like, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Just go away and do it. Um, or she'll stretch me. So she'll do things where uh, things that I've never done before. So a few years ago, um, she really pushed me to engage with the um, L&D um, manager at the time, Jan Luxford, to work around and um, work on the talent mapping process and really supporting like succession planning career paths in the business and that was something that I hadn't done before or actually pushing me out of my comfort zone and getting me to deliver training so it might be dignity at work training it might be you know just general performance improvement training and I'm not one of those people who would naturally stand uh, in front of everybody and present but it's mine uh, with time again push yourself uh you know and try and just do it and then hopefully at one point you just become sort of it's just the norm it's part of the role and I think she knew that these were my sort of um development areas and really really helped me sort of escalate me and help me and um, sort of bridge those gaps um so that's really really helped and I think generally I've not I've not come a lot, uh, across many leaders who are experts in so many different fields because sometimes you just find people who are really good at ER but not really good at L&D and not really good at the recruitment side but yeah. someone who is good at every element of HR but also really respected by the business as well so has um, a lot of say um, on the leadership team and they would ask more commercial questions as well and it's really refreshing to see HR leader who can do that and has the ability to do that i so remember
0: I, I remember meeting janet um god a year three four years ago um when i kind of just started the hr recruitment side and i remember going to meeting with her and seeing her cv and chatting through and i came i remember i remember leaving just going wow she wow. yeah. is phenomenal that's so impressive the She's someone I'd love to get onto the podcast um, a little bit further down the line, but somebody who is because she's done a lot of she's done a lot of kind of unique roles, isn't she? Where she's gone out and and, and done a kind of consulting, but in for, for specialist organisations, and she's just got such a track record.
1: And everything, is yeah. So, so it's yeah, I'd weird. love to get her on. It's
0: it's good to know that you've then got a, a profile of an individual like that who has got such experience, but then wants to develop those under her um kind of tutelage of kind of leadership as well, um, and develop them. And it's, this is why I'm kind of interested about hearing how someone has mentored you because the, again, you know, thinking about to the audience of this podcast, there'll be people who maybe have never had a mentor and and want to understand what a, kind of a mentor can do for you. And I would very much say, you know, if if you, I know the CIPD tried to run a, a mentorship program a few years ago. I, I, I don't know how successful it was. Um, I, I, you know, I hope it really, really helped people. But I would definitely say to people, if you don't have somebody maybe in your organisation, a senior HR person who can um, mentor you, go out into the wider community. You know, there's, there's there's tons of really experienced HR people out there who would love just to be help to um to kind of people at the earliest stages of the career and help them. you know linkedin's a great platform if you just put a post on linkedin and said exactly. i'm looking okay. for an hr mentor can anyone help you'd get loads of, of support from that
1: i would definitely agree with you linkedin is just a fabulous tool and they it's such a it's such a good platform for people to reach out to individuals
0: i yeah. that's it's just interesting listening to you and saying you know there's a common thread there isn't there you you, you keep referencing having great mentors through your career that have um understood you and understood how to stretch you um yeah. and take you out of your comfort zone but it's because
1: sometimes it's, uh, you just want to take the easy route but then like okay Janet I'll do it I'll I'll do this um and it's definitely stretching me and it's for my own good and it's for my own development because again they're
0: stretching you but they're not going to let you fail because it comes back on them. It's their department. So they, they're going to stretch you, but they're going to be a supportive hand behind you, making sure that you don't fall.
1: Yeah, 100%. And um, just coming back to your original question about the main difference between yeah. the HR business partner to the senior business partner. Um, so a even though I have my own business area, so still have, uh, I now work with corporate sales and I oversee rest of the business in terms of the business partners so one business partner deals with the SME world one deals with client services so they would then escalate their queries to me or have any kind of guidance and support that line management and sort of leading that team and then the advisor who would pick up uh, you know any sickness absence cases any investigations disciplinaries but again really stretching the advisor as well to hopefully progress to another role you know it's about stretching everybody
0: i was gonna say but so yeah. are you are you now being a mentor to the people yes. in your team and, and kind of
1: lean yeah, it exactly.
0: forward from from what you've
1: got at different levels because the business partners are very experienced business partners they know their stuff so it's different kind of just reassurance sometimes sometimes it's just having. Um, Insight from a different perspective because it's interesting how it's the same case, but you can bring different angles yeah. to it. Or there's, um, you know, just different, you know, advice that they would need. Or they, sometimes you just need to talk it through and make sure you're on the right track. Um, but definitely I would say I would see myself more of a mentor now for the BP um, team, so in different different ways. Um, so especially the HR advisor who started as a HR assistant, so now an advisor, and then hopefully in, in the future, who knows?
0: BP as well, maybe?
1: Maybe. You never know.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. Cool. Okay. Um, would you say that you you are someone who kind of has been ambitious through their career then?
1: I would say um, maybe in my initial years, I never used to consider myself as a very ambitious individual, but I think as the years go on, uh, as you sort of progress and develop, I think, especially when I got to the business partner role, I was like, okay, I really want to keep going. And then if you have a great mentor on top of that, you almost aspire to be like them. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's, it's like, okay, the next step. And then ultimately I would like to lead um, HR function not just a business partner team so yeah i would say pretty ambitious Um, but it's all about pacing yourself and you know it's got to be the right opportunity and not not rush into anything okay
0: cool so final question then um what advice would you give to a dealer from a couple of years ago who wanted to step up to be a business partner um or there might just be I don't know, some nuggets of advice you might just want to offer to the audience anyway in terms of how to, how to be a successful HR um, practitioner.
1: Okay, so um, if I was to give advice to younger me, I would probably say believe in yourself, have confidence, uh, because most of the time you would know the answer. It's just having the belief and confidence to actually apply it um and then secondly find a mentor so i was lucky enough naturally to just find a mentor but if you do not have that naturally in your business try and find someone in your network on linkedin um or you know through the business it doesn't necessarily have to be a hr mentor it might be um a mentor who's just in the business who's quite competent try and use them as much as you can because their experience and knowledge would be something that, you know, you can't match. Um, And then lastly, I would definitely encourage HR um, individuals to understand the business, understand the commercial elements of the business, because if you don't understand the business that you're working in, you're never going to be able to support them and apply the business. You can't have a blanket people strategy. It has to be tailored to the business and the needs of the business. And um, so that's what I would definitely say to, to younger me.
0: Brilliant. Thank you very much. Cool. Right. Adela. thank you for for um, giving up your time and and coming on the podcast. It was uh, hopefully really useful to some people out there. I think, um, you've given a different insight than maybe some other people have who've been on have, have, have shared. Um, so yeah, thank you so much. Um, very welcome. Pleasure having you on. Thank you.
1: Thanks Martin. There we have
0: it. Another show done. Thank you for listening. If you do enjoy the show, please do like and review it on whichever platform it is that you listen to your podcast, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google, um, also why not tell a friend as well, get them involved, share the wealth around. Um, feedback is greatly appreciated as well you can um reach me on linkedin any feedback is really really appreciated because that goes back into helping the show be what it is that you want um, and i can tailor it to make sure that i'm asking the questions that that you guys think are relevant but thanks again and see you next week